Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of the Self Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self Build Magazine. This episode was recorded at Self Build Life Belfast in October 2023. Um, we are going to be talking about what to look out for when you're self-building, a lot of pitfalls to avoid. Um, and we have Pete Cole here from Pete Cole Consulting. He specializes in uh, defects and projects, but also he's also a clerk of works. Um, so he has a lot of experience self, uh, supervising self-build projects. Um, so the day-to-day pitfalls on site, Pete. Um, can you give us... A common scenario of what can go wrong on site. I've uh, listed five pitfalls. Yeah, five pitfalls. I, I could give you 550 if you want. <laughs> but uh, fa- I've, I've we'll try to five. be concise. <laughs> the, uh, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. And this is a really important uh, phrase, I think, that should be remembered during construction projects. So cheap always costs a lot, basically. Cheap is is often expensive. Cheap is expensive, yeah. Everybody wants to save money. Everybody has a budget. Absolutely get that. But you have to be very careful where where you're going to save money. The money has to be spent wisely and in the, the, the correct places. In my days as a principal contractor, you would very often have fair a potential client turning up in a 50 grand car and they want the 50 grand kitchen. And then when it gets to the, the building, the bit that's going to keep you warm, keep the heat in, keep the rain out, stay structurally sound for a very long time, they're looking for the cheapest builder. It really doesn't make any sense. The car and the kitchen are consumables. They're not going to be there for the lifetime of the building. They might be very Instagrammable at the time, but it's more important to get the fundamental parts of the building right money being spent in the, in the right areas and wisely for example superstructure robust details insulation any tanking if the building is in any way subterranean making sure things don't get the excitement of the build doesn't get lost in, in 
Instagram and all of the shiny bits that we all love and are all an important part of the build. But we've got to keep the wind and the rain and the water out and make the building stand up for a long time. I've never seen a difficult tanking detail or drip detail or insulation detail on Instagram. It's always the shiny bits. Shiny bits are not the fundamental of the build. So that's the, the first major one. So to, to really focus on the, the structure of the building, making sure you, you, you have quality control and you have a good builder. Not go for the cheapest quote. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next one I'm going to talk about is the P word, procurement. Procurement is the art of obtaining something. You're going to procure your new home and you're probably going to do it by the self-built method. It is still the biggest purchase you're ever likely to make in your life. It's not a short-term thing. It has to last for many years. When it's finished and it has achieved uh, building control completion, this, this house has to be, uh, no matter what your funding route is, the house still has to be mortgageable and sellable at the end. Because if it's not mortgageable and sellable, it's, it's not a tangible asset. That's really important. You get one chance at it. If it goes wrong, it usually ends up the money that you wanted to spend on the shiny kitchen will be spent on solicitors, barristers, and experts. And uh, as someone who works in that area, I cannot stress enough how difficult and anxious that can be for the, the, the person on the, on the receiving end for, of that. It's very, very advisable to try and avoid all of that through good procurement. Um, Using, not using the cheapest builder. Look, look, look at the track record and history of your builder. Do, do a lot of research. Look at reviews. Um, look at their viability. Look at how long they've been around. All of those things are really important factors when you're making this huge decision about who's going to build your new home. If the project is, is not well managed um, and disputes start to happen early on, you will find money will, will disappear like snow off a ditch. A good example would be falling out with a squad of bricklayers, maybe six courses of block past the substructure, and they're away. Uh, you go and try and get another set of bricklayers to come and, and finish that off. Their rates will have doubled, and they won't be that interested. Now, at the minute, the trades are, are, are not as busy as they were. There's been a bit of a downturn. But the minute things get busy again, the, the trades, unfortunately, a lot of them can name their prices. And that, that leaves you in a, at an extreme disadvantage. I talked on Friday about uh, architectural appointments. It's important that you have a properly appointed and instructed architect to administer the contract and see the, the, the project right through. I'm, I'm not an advocate of the, the sort of direct labor route at all because you, have, as, you as a consumer have no protections. If it goes wrong, um, you probably have nowhere to go. And there's nothing uh, more likely for a, a mediator or a judge to point out if it all goes wrong is how bad your contract is. Okay, so str a strong recognized method of contract. For example, a JCT minor works contract. That is, that is your ultimate protection. Um, because you, as I keep saying, you, you've got one go at this. You've probably got one set of money, one set of funding to do it. And if you have to go back to it, it's, it, it gets quite, quite nasty and quite difficult. Properly run contract will make your build much more enjoyable. Monthly site meetings are the forum for dealing with any issues and any problems. For formerly minuted site meetings, and it just keeps the, the smooth running of the contract much more possible. And, the, and 
uh, it's a great forum for dealing with any issues. And as you go through the build, there will be lots of discussion about different uh, choices. Um, there'll be finishes choices, there'll be window choices, all of these things. And no matter how much you have researched and decided what you think you're going to use to build this, there will be changes. Um, we'll run into all sorts of problems with supply chain, availability, all of these things come about and, and there's always the requirement for, for more changes and more considerations to be given. Yeah, okay. yeah go ahead, so another one. Uh, ground conditions. Ensure that if required, there's an adequate geotechnical survey and survey of existing services, particularly if it's a brownfield site or a site in an urban area where there is uh, the high, high likelihood of utilities either running through your site or adjacent to the boundary of the site. Remember, if we're, if we're excavating for foundations and we're very close to utilities, um, that, that has to be considered from a, from a health and safety standpoint, but also from a cost standpoint, because if you put a digger bucket through one of NIE's cables um, and cause an outage, or, or even worse, a fiber optic broadband cable, um, they will not miss and hit the wall with charging you. So that, that's something to consider. Ground conditions, what's under the ground? Is there contaminated land? Another very expensive thing to fix. Uh, has there been any oil spill? Um, all, of, all of these things are, are expensive, so the cost of a geotechnical survey might be relatively small. Even if you're in the process of buying a site, you, nobody wants to buy a site that needs thousands of pounds worth of remediation before you can even uh, build a foundation. So can't recommend that enough. If the, uh, any of the boundary walls of the building or boundary walls of the actual uh, driveway are adjacent to public highways or footways, there's a thing called task approval required. Depending on the difference in ground levels, that can be also be very expensive. And uh, you need to just think about that, particularly if you're going to, to buy a site. Um, any overhead uh, infrastructure as well, you might have an overhead power cable or something, if that needs moved, or if, if it needs uh, altered, it will be expensive. And uh, I did mention the other day about getting your pre uh, sort of developer inquiries for all of your infrastructure, broadband, NIE, water, sewage. If you can't get a sewage connection, you're going to have to have a, a, tre a treatment plant, which will require consent to discharge. That's another separate application. The viability of that can sometimes be expensive. And I'll give you an, another good example from my, my days as a, as a contractor where we, yeah, we knocked down a, a, a bungalow to build two houses on the site. And uh, at a site meeting one day, the developer said, this is great, we've got an NAE cable onto the site and uh, you know, we'll have electric here. NAE have a standing charge for an electric connection. That was fine. So we did our developer inquiries to find out that the, the NAE uh, connection, that cable only was uh, adequate to run one house and we were building two houses. So the, uh, the cable that we needed to connect to was on the other side of the road and the site was on a, 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 a T-junction. So we, had to, we needed a uh, considerable increase in costs, uh, not least the three-way traffic management that was required to, to excavate and do the road crossing. These are things that people don't think about and people don't see. So I can't emphasize enough about uh, those developer inquiries, your services, your infrastructure, you will need all of those. Another one, variations to design without drawings or statutory approvals being updated. A good example would be 
a, a complex roof makeup where th the design is there and there's maybe a problem. There's very often a supply problem with a particular product or there's a, a cost saving to be had. I can't emphasize enough, if you're going to change anything in a, in a system makeup, like a, for example, a pitched warm roof, um, what can happen is you, you could maybe have someone who provides one, one of these components coming along and giving you all of the technical justifications and the U-values, and that's wonderful. You've got this product that will do your job and it's cheaper. But what nobody has considered is the other three or four products that are part of the system makeup. And there might be some sort of change uh, in relation to condensation management, condensation risk analysis. And if you plow on on site, and this doesn't go back uh, to the, needs to go back to building control to have any statutory approval amended because you've amended the build. But more importantly, it needs to go back to your architect because if you've changed one component, or the builder has changed one component in a system makeup, there may be very significant uh, issues that, that will uh, come about sometimes years later when uh, you should be enjoying your new home and all of a sudden there's uh, a 50,000 pound problem because somebody saved a few quid on insulation on, on a particular day. So, cha so cha changing the specification cha of the, that was yeah, put you, in you gotta place. Be, you gotta be so careful. And when, when you look at a system makeup that might have four or five suppliers uh, of, of the different products, you can be sure that all of those products in their own way will be good, they'll be compliant, and they'll, they'll meet most of the criteria and, and design intent that you're looking for. But it's when you put them all together as a complete system, you, you, you may have inadvertently changed something. So that always, if you're gonna change something, get it back to the architect, um, get them to, do the condensation risk analysis for in, in the example of a roof and make sure you haven't uh, inadvertently saved yourself an incredibly small amount of money to find out in three or four years' time you've got a £50,000 problem. Because the builders have a tendency to use systems they're used to or find a supplier that I've been doing they have this good, good relations with and cheaper product for and, and, uh, and they'll tell you, sure, this is actually better, you should put this in. The, the biggest problem you'll get is uh, I've been doing it this way for 40 years. But in the last 40 years, uh, carbon has become a problem. Building technology has drastically increased. And the skills and the available trades on site, unfortunately, and uh, I'm in this industry 25 years next February, the, the people that are available to us to do the work, there's less and less of them. So if you put those two lines together on a graph, we, 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 we have a bit of a problem. We've got less people to do the work and we've got massive changes to technology. And. Uh, I'll give you another, another thing I've learned just being at this show. Uh, talked to a couple of different people. That, and we're all, I'm, I have a particular interest in, in pitched warm roofs. Um, one of the next problems we're going to have with pitched warm roofs is probably condensation with solar panels. Because we're all putting solar panels on our roofs because we want to help with carbon and we want to save money on electricity. But what is happening with any condensation that's coming through an air open membrane? If it's coming through on the back of a rugged slate or a concrete tile, it can ventilate. But if we've got a solid solar panel, so there's another change to something. Solar panels are a great idea. Pitched warm roofs are a great idea. But again, we change one single thing, one component, and all hell can break loose. So that, that's something I'm going to now go and go down a rabbit hole with and learn more about. So war warm roof is, is basically insulated at the pitch in level. In the pitch. Yeah, a good, as opposed a good, to the A, a cold floor. roof would be a... A, a typical house where the, the wool insulation is above the ceiling 
and then a, a pitched warm roof would be if you imagine a, a one a one story and a half or a two story and a half house when you, you basically the second floor is into the rake of the roof that type of roof construction is absolutely superb if it's done well um i'm coming across an awful lot of it where components certain materials have been changed or altered and it's problematic so you, you can't uh, you, you've got to be so careful with that and years ago interstitial condensation wasn't really a huge problem what has changed is buildings are now more airtight and they're now more thermally efficient so areas where we, we get moisture build up moisture collecting is, is when it happens it happens quite badly um, can't, can't say enough about making sure a pitched warm roof makeup is, is designed and checked if you're going to change anything, let, let the designer decide. The, the builder is not qualified in design. The builder won't have any PI insurance for design. So get it back to the designer to protect yourself. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Next one, next uh, horror story. <laughs> last, last, last but not least, um, not having all of the as all aspects and elements of the work going through the principal contractor. It's a real common perception out there. You know, I've I've got my kitchen organised. I know what tiles I'm using, and that's that's great. But when you enter into a building contract, and you have a contract. If you're a principal designer or architect appointed, if you're a principal contractor or contractor appointed, you must have a robust method of facilitating these works. So I'm going to talk about the JCT contractor. The contract is there to facilitate the contract between the two parties, and it offers protections, uh, boundaries, and it includes dispute uh, resolution mechanisms, protects both parties, have, have monthly site meetings, Make sure, just, Pete. Just one sec for the JCT contract. Yeah. That is that is kind of the standard That's contract standard. that you it's would sign with. And it, it, who, who, like, where does it come from? It's it from an it association. Com it comes from a body called the Joint Contracts Tribunal. Now, uh, more modern forms of contract for a lot of public sector works now are the NEC contract, which is an, an engineering contract, which is seems to be the current model for domestic house building. JCT is, is I think, is the is the best route to go. Okay. Um, now, to, to go back to another analogy for you, I'm talking about not having all aspects of the work going through the, 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 main, the main contractor, the principal contractor. If you employed a, a tiler and a shower door fitter and a plumber to refurbish your shower, 
and three months later it was leaking, who would you phone? Who would be responsible? Um, you, you'll have them all pointing the fingers at each other. Um, and to take a shower out and, and redo it, it could cost you a couple of grand. That's before you get to any consequential loss or damage, decor in the lounge below or whatever. Um, si similar thing if you, if you get your own bricklayer and then you get your own groundworks contractor and there's a problem with a damp proofing detail and the bricklayer blames the groundworks contractor and the groundworks contractor blames the bricklayer and you have nowhere to go. Your, your liability has not been protected. You have, no, you have no consumer protection. So this is why I always lean towards the contract and having everything going through the principal contractor. A good principal contractor will like to do this. They will be uh, expected to get profit. They, ha they have to get profit on everything because they're responsible for it. And again, sometimes the average client gets really upset about this. And I'll give you another example. I'm the principal contractor and there's a 40,000 pound kitchen being installed. So from the day I take possession of the site, the site's under my custody and control. I have to insure it. I'm liable if anyone breaks in and gets injured. The kitchen arrives on site. I'm responsible for that kitchen until the day of handover. If it gets scraped, gets damaged, gets stolen, gets burnt, you're going to come to me and ask me to replace it. I need profit for that because there's risk. If you have a main contractor who is not getting any money for the kitchen, the tiles, all of those things, there's, there's, a, there's a, a cost element for a main contractor, a principal contractor to run all of those aspects of the contract and there's a risk element. And if they're not getting any money for it, um, it might seem like a saving, but it's not because uh, when you're busy at your day job and the kitchen fitter arrives and the, the sockets and the pipes are all in the wrong place and he rings you up and tells you, my kitchen fitter's here and he's on a price and I'm going to have to charge him out today and we're going to have to come back in two weeks when you've all this fixed and then you've lost your program date. The whole thing becomes incredibly fraught and more likely to end up in a dispute. You actually want the principal contractor and the kitchen provider to be working in complete synergy with each other for you, the client, for the greater good. And you want the project to be finished with everything resolved. And if there is a problem, you go and contact your main contractor because he's the person that's got profit on everything. He's the person that's contractually responsible and he's your one-stop shop. So that's your consumer protection through the contract. You don't have the main contractor saying, we didn't get any money at the kitchen and... We didn't get any money at those tiles and that shower's leaking. That, that model just, just does not work. It's, it's hard enough when the model is correctly put together if there are issues. So um, everything should go through the contract and there should be one point of, uh, one point of, of, of contact really for, for all of those things. When you get to the end of a JCT contract, at every payment stage there will be when the house is finished, 5% of the contract value will be re retained by you. On the day of practical completion, uh, at, 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 er at, every, at every payment stage, 5% of the money is held back. When you get to the completion date, on the day, day of what's deemed practical completion, and the, the architect will issue a certificate to say the building is practically complete, and at that point, you should also have a final building control certificate. At that point, 2.5% of the 5% of the retention is released by you to the builder. And then, uh, depending on the type of job, typically with a new build, it would be one year. And the reason one year is advisable is you want to see how your house is gonna perform through a complete set of seasons. Your house might hand over in the summer and it's sunny. I know it wasn't particularly sunny this summer, but 
you need to know what that building's going to do in the, in the depths of winter. You want to know what that building's going to do in a storm. Are there any rattles or noises? Is the roof properly fixed? So a full year is very good. We get to the end of the full year. Any snags, defects or issues are raised formally through the contract to the architect who is also the contract administrator. And that is the opportunity really for the builder to get his hands on the last 2.5%. And what a good builder will do is we'll meet up with the architect and client and go through any issues that have been raised, make it an arrangement to come back and fix them, and then the architect will come back. And once everything has been satisfactorily dealt with, a document, a contractual document called a Making Goods Defect Certificate is released. And that, that then obliges you, the, the client, to release the last 2.5% of the builder. And also within that contract, you have the option of... of, of there's a, a latent defect provision up to six years, um, which you're protected with on, under the contract. A latent defect is typically something significantly bad that happens. I don't mean a, a, a small crack in a wall or a, a tile falling off. You know, that, that is dealt with under the making goods defects part of the contract. But I can't emphasize enough, everything I, I talked about today, and I've talked about it many times in my career as a contractor to potential clients, and. Some of them rolled their eyes and some of them really got what I said and, and, and followed my advice. And uh, this, this is not uh, embarking on a self-build. It's, it's, it's not a small amount of money. It's not a, a light-hearted task you're going to do on a Sunday afternoon. This is something that's probably going to affect you for a large part of the rest of your life. It's not something that should be taken lightly. And you've, you've got to protect yourself and you've got to put all the mechanisms in place that if something does go wrong, you're, you're as protected as you can possibly be. When the money is spent on a construction project, pe people have, have usually have a funding source. Uh, not everybody has a further funding source for to deal with anything that's gone wrong. And uh, particularly when people are interested in talking about budgets for self-build, one of the most important aspects of, of managing the budget is to make sure that y you have a sound uh, contractual arrangement with a, a good builder and a good architect. And you want to have good relationships and the good running of the project. And if you can get to the end and you're in a position to go and put a Google review up for the builder, uh, and then you, the builder gets recommended to somebody else, that, that, that's great. Um, another thing to think about is when you, when you embark on a self-build project, you, you, you have a, relation, a set of relationships that develop and those relationships are there through the duration of the build and, and for the, the year afterwards for the, the maintenance period. So there's a, bit of, there's a bit of a managing relationships aspect to it as well for everybody involved. But Pete, a lot of people would have um, relations, friends, family who might be in the trade. They, let's say your brother's a tiler, your cousin's a plumber. So oftentimes do go direct labor because there is a cost saving and you can trust the people that you're you're going to give these jobs out to. So in that instance, would a warranty be enough to uh, try to cover any um, blaming the other person if something goes wrong kind I, of thing? I, I think if you, you go down that route, you, you as I said earlier, you could have, you could have a, a good digger driver and ground worker who put in your substructure and you could have good bricklayers, but it's all the wee bits in between. It's all the bits of the building project that aren't quite a trade. They're more of a friendly tap on the shoulder at the right time during the project. Maybe the role for a clerk of works. You can, you can line every trade up. 
the bit that the principal contractor does is all, all the little bits in between, bits that there won't be a stand for here today. You know, yeah. ma ma making sure the lateral restraint details are in properly, making sure um, any damp proofing or sound proofing is done correctly, any small structural and in intricate robust details. Those, those details are, are becoming more and more important, particularly with air tightness and energy efficiency. And condensation, yeah. Condensation. Yeah, yeah. Any questions, guys? Yep. Thank you. Sorry to go off on a bit of a tangent, but uh, is there any common pitfalls for wood-framed cabins or wooden structures that uh, are different than the five that you've already listed? Interesting point. I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Obviously, modular is a, what we call an MMC, a modern method of construction. And it's, it's primarily come about through the housing crisis, the housing shortage, ways of constructing buildings more quickly. One of the pitfalls I see with uh, some of the modular stuff, um, I've, I've actually uh, been a clerk of works on a, on a school in England, and it was manufactured here, and I did a set of inspections on the modules. And that, that is fine, because that will all be subject to, to building regulation and, and proper design. When we get into the sort of uh, slightly away from something like that, um, the more sort of glamping type things and all of those, I'm not quite sure how those are regulated. And I'm not sure if any of them require any sort of building control design or statutory approvals. And I think there is something there that has to be teased out. I'm not saying they're all bad, by the way, because some of them are, are fantastic. But I, th I think the, the, the way design and the, the construction and the, the makeups of them are regulated may, may be questionable in some instances. And again, I, say, I don't say that as a general sweeping statement and apply it to everybody, because I'm sure some of them are doing it very well. But that's, that's something that hasn't really been... It's a relatively new thing. And in fact, I, I read an article in the newspaper recently that there might actually be a downturn now in the whole this whole modular cabin thing. It was incredibly popular, and I think the, the lockdown brought it on a lot because people wanted to be able to have their own working from home space in their garden and stuff. So I don't know much more about it than that other than just to keep an eye on the newspapers and the social channels and see what happens. Yeah, make sure it's build building regulations compliant it's if you're going to be yes. living in it. Yeah, not like a home office in the back garden. Thank you. Uh, just to sort of build on a question that Astrid had asked earlier, um, if we do have someone, say for example in our own situation, we might have a family member that's willing to help with groundworks sure. or that, are contractors still comfortable coming into situations like that where there has been, say for example, groundworks really performed and then they're coming in at a later stage or working alongside people that's not necessarily someone that they've organised and how does that then impact upon contractual? Um. I, I, I hear you and I get what you're saying and you may find that some, some principal contractors may be willing to accept that. It could be written into the contract as, as a provision so that it would be called prior works which means the principal contractor wouldn't be responsible for it. For example, if you had a family friend or colleague who did the substructure work and they might be able to do it for a, a more competitive price. But uh, I think that the most important thing and to, to say nothing contractual at this point the most important thing really would be to make sure you have a good relationship and a, a good level of synergy between the, the two parties. You want them to work together. You don't want the uh, principal contractor to turn up to a, a substructure that's been left 
with bits of broken block everywhere and bits of the site that you can't even walk around because there's holes. I mean, it's, it's, it's having... There's nothing will uh, annoy a trade or a builder more than, than not uh, having things reasonably well organized for them. So I'm not, I'm not saying what you've suggested is a bad idea. Um, if you can contractually deal with it by having it written in as prior works and make the other party responsible for it, make sure that uh, if, if your substructure is being built at a time when the principal contractor is not in charge of the site, that site is actually under either your custody and control or the custody and control of the contractor. You've got to think about CDM regulations, welfare facilities, site security, all of the liabilities that you will incur the day construction work starts. That, that all has to, to be considered. And uh, most important thing, I suppose, is just to have synergy and have, if you can manage to have a good, good relationship between the person that does the groundwork and, and the builder. And some, sometimes that can work. Yeah, and when you manage your own project, obviously there's also the you have to manage everything. The you deliveries, have to everything. Yep. make sure deliveries are like your toilets not chipped, and you have to open every box. For all yeah. of that. Yeah, I, and waste management. There's a lot, a lot. There's a lot of responsibility. I, I used the analogy the other day of uh, a squad of uh, bricklayers in on a price on their own. You're away doing your day job, and uh, all the ground floor window sills arrive, and they're all full of blowholes and chipped. Now, a good builder or a clerk of works would immediately, part of the role of a clerk of works is to check in materials in terms of specification, quality and quantity. Those window sills are all damaged and chipped. The bricklayer is in on a price. He doesn't care. He'll throw those sills in. And you'll arrive down on Saturday and we're maybe six course a block past the sills. And you've got a house, you've got your, your new home, which you've thought and dreamt about for years and all the external sills are chipped. And you tackle the bricklayer about it and they say, well, it's not my problem. I'm not here to do that. Those are the sorts of things that people don't see that a principal contractor should be taking care of. Thanks, Pete. Thank you. Join us next time for more tips and advice from self-builders and experts alike. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Self-Build Plus. It'll give you full access to the selfbuilt.ie website, including the Build Cost Hub, the House Plans Library, the Self-Built Journey, and much much more. Go to selfbuilt.ie to get the full details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.